to another episode of the jacob wayne show um this upfront pitter patter is yep there it is there's your upfront pitter patter had two really good discussions with uh kellen and dan today for talking music and chatting movies and we got into a little bit of stuff on each one so let's just get right to it welcome back kellen what it do hello hey do the rock what about the rock? <laughs> oh, I've been playing the School of Rock musical, so oh. that's been that's been playing in my head. Andrew Lloyd Webber, all the tunes. I watched uh, I watched these movie watch along channels sometimes when I'm gaming, kind of uh-huh. late at night. I recently did a watch along with School of Rock of them watching it, so it's all kind of nice and short. Oh, nice. It's not a bad movie. You think it works as a musical? Oh, it's a, it's it's okay. It's I would like to like see a like full see the Broadway production and like get a better idea. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't like the whole idea of making everything into a musical or making anything that's already another thing into a musical. Like just write a new musical, right? Yeah, I'd be down with them uh, being a little more thoughtful about it. Not that I didn't take thought to put that together, but just, uh, like, what movie would actually make a really awesome musical? Whereas it kind of yeah. seems like School of Rock, you know, rock and roll, it's about music. That, yeah, music. <laughs> kind of seems like that a little bit. Exactly. And then in this particular show, they... They wanted like the the little kids in the cast to like actually play the instruments, and there it's getting better and better as the show goes along. But it's just been really rough to try to get that all to go. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I know this is talking music, but I will say, like, I was not that big of a fan of the movie when it came out, and it. Yeah. Uh, I think part of the reason why is that I was like, I don't believe that these kids are this good. Yeah. It's just like, it's it's not believable for me. And I mean, I know yeah. it's it's exaggerated. It's a comedy, but... Yeah. It's just like, no, yeah. it's true. It's just not how it would work, but whatever. I mean, yep. obviously you could say like Wayne's World, like that's not how that would work either, but I'm like, I love <laughs> it. Well... Yeah, well, it's it's like Whiplash. You're just like, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh, yeah, we need to watch that sometime with Dan. I was thinking about it. We need to watch that, and we need to watch Cats. And you have to be there specifically for both of those. Yeah. I've decided. 
Yeah, I'm sure I'll be frothing mad at the end of Whiplash, but let's do it. I was trying to wait for the butthole cut on Cats, but I don't think we're going to get it. Damn it. Yeah, it's a darn shame. Uh, you know, Why won't always... they release the cat hole butt? <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know, Taylor Swift just like, oh, I don't, I'm not ready for them to see that. It's not that part of my career yet. Damn. Yeah. I was Boy. actually more interested in seeing Idris Elba's cat butthole more than Taylor Swift's, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, what can you do? Can't have it all. Nope. Uh, you have any thoughts on Tucker Carlson losing his job? Hell yeah. Yeah. About goddamn time. Indeed. Now, now let's, let's take away them being able to be called news. Let's fire Fox News from being news. That'd be nice. Fox well, Parody Hour. They even said that they're not news. They're just entertaining. I know. They should. That's why they should be able to have to take it out of their name now. It's false advertising. <laughs> yeah, just Fox Entertainment, something. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I'll try to do a little more succinct version because I talked about this with Dan too. So I don't want it to like kind of double up on the podcast too much. But let me just get your thoughts on this. I was kind of pondering on that today because uh, Don Lemon from CNN also got fired. And I was like, hmm, it just seems like there's this decline of like net, like TV news networks, which ultimately is great to me. Um, yeah. I, I hate the idea of the 24-7 news cycle, at least in the context of creating programming that's 24-7 to just overanalyze stuff like of course, there's nothing wrong with like, oh, this thing just happened over in Indonesia and that article gets put up at 2 a.m. That's not really what I mean, you know? Yeah. But uh, I was wondering, do you think that with the direction we're going with news, do you think it's going to get worse? Or this is maybe like a positive sign, like now that everybody is a little bit in their own little algorithm particular bubbles that that has its own problems of course but now there may be it's a little harder to like create mass propaganda for like half the country to have everybody on the same page on some bullshit lie kind of like yeah. the WMDs for the Iraq war justification yeah exactly but i think it's yeah. good <laughs> you think it's going to get better or just kind of we'll have to wait and see i guess Oh, I, I feel like it's, you know, it's like everything. It kind of gets in a pendulum. I think certain parts are going to get better, and then some little thing is going to kind of fall to the side, and then that's, we're going to like, oh, now we got to fix this, and then people will come lax on the news thing again. Yeah. But. Well, and I mean, there is the terrifying element of todayness, which is like, now that everybody has the internet and everybody has their own voice, they're almost like their own news anchors. And so all yeah. the crazy shit is really easy to access and crazy loves crazy. So it's kind of like yeah. how QAnon combines with like anti-Semitic tropes and other conspiracy theories. And then it just swells into this insane QAnon type thing. Or Yeah, but it's always the, the far sides are the loudest. So I think... I still think that's it's... less of a threat than 
yeah. Fox News, like, pretty much operating yeah, as a Republican so. propaganda machine. Yeah. yeah. I like the hell. <laughs> yeah, I I certainly hope it is an improvement. And even if it does introduce new craziness with the technology, that it is just new craziness and something for our generation and the younger generations to take care of and react to. I think I'm kind of yeah. done with the 24-7 hour TV boomer thing. Yeah, Boomers sure. just need to let go. Yep. I mean, so. yeah, Biden's going to run again, and it's kind of like, you're obviously going to get my vote, because it's like, not because I fucking love Biden, it's just there's nothing the Republicans could do at the moment that would, like, convince me that oh, they no. should be in power, so... Um, yep. it is kind of like one of those things though, where you're like, I get it. Maybe it's the safe thing to do, but at the same time, it's like, man, he's old as shit. Like there's an opportunity for the Democrats to be like, he can run again and all that. And if he wins the nomination, cool, but we should run other people just to keep ideas fresh. And if somebody has got a new, fresh perspective, then have them. And we don't need to have two terms, you know? Yeah. To legitimize a president, but yeah, whatever. Agreed. Yeah, I think I'm just ready for a lot of this. Like, I want AI to kind of like, I want to get a better sense of where that's headed and concepts that we talk about, like uh, automation and universal basic income and little things like that to actually start being addressed and considered climate change. Yeah, it's just I'm I'm done with the Fox News. Uh, yeah, just I don't know. Everybody seems to want to go back to the '80s or the '50s. I'm just, I'm done with that shit. Let's let's. Oh yeah, dude. Those are the good old days. Let's go back to that. It's like, what about polio? Yeah, <laughs> remember the remember the bad things. I'll I'll tell you <laughs> what, because uh, technically, Shocky and I are exennials. Like, we're on the tail end of Generation X and, like, the beginning of Millennials. Yeah. So, um, I have noticed a disturbing trend of kind of Generation X nostalgia as they're getting older. Like, I'll have I'll follow a page that's like, I love the 80s on Facebook. And I assume what I'm going to yeah. get on there is ah, 80s movies and 80s music, like, because I love that stuff. But, like... What it ends up being is these like memes like, you remember when you didn't come home until the streetlights came on and you drink water out of the hose in the backyard and oh, God. nobody told you how much sugar was in what you were eating and everybody underneath it is just like, yeah, like stupid woke, woke society like won't let me drink out of the hose. You're like, I don't even, you don't even know what this woke thing is anymore. You're just, like, you're saying you hate new things. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, so I kind of hope Gen's, Gen X isn't like, hey, boomers are checking out. Time for us to take on being the assholes. Yeah, please, God, no. Because it's like, yeah, that was the that's the crux of the boomers to me. Like, And of course, I'm generally speaking, there's plenty of great boomers. But, like, they were the hippies and free love and all that and then Reagan comes around and they just all sold out 
We all yep. became evil corporate fucks that just, I'm going to buy my way to happiness. I need a new couch set. I need to buy this, buy that. Pull yourself up yep. by your bootstraps. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just seeing a little bit of that trend in Generation X. And it's like, you guys were the fucking do-nothing generation. You were uh, fucking Nirvana fans. Grunge. On. What the fuck's happening? But anyway, maybe it's just inevitable. Uh, I hope not. We could we could do something. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into music talk, I suppose. Do you like the title Music Talk or Talking Music? Hmm. I can never decide. I don't know. I think I'd slightly lean talking music. Yeah. But I don't know. It's 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 the rest of the the segments. Mm-hmm. Talking music, chat, and movies. There you go. Um, so before we get into any new stuff coming out or recommendations, uh, you got anything going on on your end needs the shout-out? Well, nothing, nothing new yet. Okay. Not since last week. <laughs> Actually, you do. Do did I talk about the Lobe Daddy album I dropped last time? I don't think so. Okay, so Lobe Daddy is my chosen solo music moniker. So it used to be Turtleneck way back in the day when I would like do stuff on Fruity Loops and burn it to a CD and give it to you. But uh, yeah, yeah, anything that's all solo-y, I throw up on Spotify and call it Lobe Daddy. And I've been going through a lot of my music files and I'm like, kind of wanted to get it all cleaned up and fresh and whatever I'm going to release, I released and whatever I need to work on, get it kind of wrapped up as its own little project because it's old and then just start fresh, move on, you know? So I released an album called Raw Songs because that is songs for doing it raw. Oh yeah, that is precisely what the album is. Though it's kind of like it's pretty much like a demo album, random little B sides. Some things are mixed more proper than others. Some are like sort of half baked ideas. But I didn't put up anything on here that I didn't like throw on every now and again. I was like, man, I love this thing. So. Some of it's uh, Fruity Loops, some of it's the stuff I did in my dorm room back in 2011, 2012. So I think you've personally probably heard most of this album, but I also put up Can't Catch the Rat with you on guitar. So oh, yeah. you have a new release. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Wait, I, I pulled you up on here. Did you release one called Antarctic Zen Garden? Yeah. Okay. That was uh, 2021. Yeah, random singles. All right. Um, That are explicit. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's right. (laughs) Threw up uh, Sometimes Even Why. I just figured that little demo I've had sitting around forever, it's like, why not? Just throw that up. There you go. So, yeah, I'm actually... Uh, like as I put it together and just uploaded it, I was like, I, I am pretty proud of this little thing, even though it's like kind of a weird little bastard child of a album. Nice. 
And uh, the next thing I'm going to work on is, you remember that album of hip-hop beats that was for somebody who was going to try to be a rapper? Yeah. Yeah, I decided I'm going to slowly add lyrics and vocals and then maybe a little bit of bass guitar to it, but just release that. Because I'm pretty proud of that as a singular album thing, too. Yeah, that's called Kagamba, which is spider in, uh, oh man, Ah. Tagalog. There it is, yeah. Um, then I'm just gonna pull together all the Fruity Loops beats and songs I've done since I moved out here to Fort Collins, sort of wrap those up, and then start fresh, kind of do a little bit of this cloud faculty stuff, um, maybe a more, you know, subdued solo album that's a little Mac DeMarco-ish, which we're, we're gonna get into Mac DeMarco. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so that was released. Had two really awesome uh, Gamma Paw shows this last week. Played a 420 house show and then did a Blast and Scrap show playing at the Functional Thrift Store here in Fort Collins. Ooh. So I'm going to give a quick shout-out to the bands I played with. This is going to be a little rapid-fire. But I found myself enjoying every single one of them, like on wow. various levels to various degrees, depending on my taste. But uh, shout out to the patrons, Fables of the Fall, Monument, Atomic Death, Acid Teeth, Sludge Broker, Sonic Dispatch, Gonefull Heathen, Alistair Cowboy, Author of Your Downfall. Yeah, those guys rocked it, so hope to play shows Alistair with them in the future. Cowboy. Yeah. Oh, nice. uh, they they rule. Um one member, Reyna, she's in Gone Full Heathen and in Alistair Cowboy. But like Gone Full Heathen, it's her and this other drummer. They're a duo, but the way she's got it like plugged in, her guitar kind of does the bass and the guitar, depending on how she hits her pedals. Yeah. And uh, it's just got that, like, seven... I don't know if she did play a seven-string or an eight-string, but it does have, like, kind of that nice low crunch to it. Might have one of them pickups that just drops your bottom two strings down or something, too. Yeah, it might just be that. But, um... Which, actually, that sounds about right, what that probably was. Um, but, you know, I I jumble up my uh, metal subgenres a little bit, but... Gonful Heathen seemed a little more like thrash, thrashy. And then Alistair Cowboy, she's in that. And then that adds different drummer, bassist, and a different guitar player, too. And they got kind of like the Cannibal Corpse thing going on. And it's like Cannibal Corpse almost mixed with like stoner metal. The bassist had on this uh, pink fuzzy hat and was smoking a joint or blunt or whatever and just like laying down the base I was like ah yeah 420 house show Fort Collins this is nice nice so yeah anyway shout out to all those bands definitely hope to play with them again I uh 
I think that was Gamma Paw's first foray into playing maybe more metal-centric shows. And it just, it made me happy. I was like, this is a nice, friendly, open-minded metal community here in Fort Collins, and I really appreciated it. And, yeah, anyway. So, with that, if you don't have any other stuff to shout out, let's get into new releases. Okay. What's your first recommend? First one I caught my eye was Pearl and the Oysters. Okay. You ever, you ever heard of that? I have not. I was just kind of like, what is that? Sounds kind of like, I don't know, Jimmy Buffett. You know, I just went there and like, the, there's a parrot on the album. I was like, what is this? Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like light, light pop. I don't know. It's it's pretty fun. Pretty groovy little track. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as always, always I say I'm picking about the vocals. They're not like, wouldn't be my go-to, but they, they're not bad. So. All right. Yeah. I, I was kind of digging it. Kind of a fun, fun flavor. The album's called Coast to Coast. Apparently it's two French people. A dude and a lady do it together. So. I do love French pop. Um, yeah. One of my favorites is uh, Air. Oh. I don't know if we ever listened to that album. You'd probably see, heard the music on a bunch of car commercials, like a couple tracks. Is that telepop music or... Was that a different band? I think no, that's they, different. Word. They have a song called Breathe. That's the one I'm thinking of. Mm. That's cool. Air nice. has the one song that you just you would recognize the bass line from like the car commercial it was used in. Yeah. Um can't think of even the name of it. It's like La Voyage de la Luna. It's like Voyage to the Moon, I think, maybe. Uh. But um then they had that song. And then it's like sexy boy. You know that song? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So would you say it's kinda similar to that? Like that kind of pop music or a little more of the indie thing that's been popular lately? It's pretty like uh more like old school pop more more produced stuff yeah so sounds like that okay cool i am a little more into that the more like squiggly produced like it's just like sugary music in your ears you're like ah yes deliciously produced pop i think you like this one so remind that title one more time good other you know yeah uh Earl and the Oysters, Coast to Coast. Alright, cool. Um, I suppose one new thing that came out that was a surprise for me was Sound Cipher. And that is a collaboration between Skerrick, who if you don't know who that is, that's a saxophone player that uh, tours around with Let's Claypool a lot. And you've probably seen him before. He usually has something in his saxophone using different effects and stuff. And then it's also Tim Alexander. So the Primus drummer, Herb. Apparently they started collaborating on this idea during sound checks for the uh, Chocolate Factory Primus tour. 
and then oh, nice. they decided to go into the studio to kind of like work on it and then this tim mason guy who was going to be doing some engineering i guess like came into the room with all these like on the spot midi and like sound wave manipulation stuff and just like did it with them live while they jammed out so it's his name is tim mason so that's the project tim mason scarrick and tim alexander as sound cypher and this first nice. release is called all that sinks must diverge and it's yeah it's very like free fluid kind of modular saxophone drum jam stuff i walked around tonight listening to the full thing and it's good stuff um you know it's very much like a little background you know it's like mm-hmm. motivate you while you're walking or yeah you're playing like some video game and it's just great background music for that like seemed like it would be good for like playing Stellaris or something new so uh yeah it's, nice. i wouldn't know how exactly to categorize it genre wise um i don't know it has it feels like it has an improvisational jazzy feel to it but we're gonna talk a little bit about jazziness and this and that and in just a little bit here so i'll save that for then or not to check that one out yeah uh what else you got next one that caught my caught my eye was an album by called it's called arborist okay Um, i think i've heard that name yeah, it's actually just like a dude. It's just a solo, like a songwriter dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is called An Endless Sequence of Dead Zeros. Uh-huh. And I, I kind of looked into him a little bit, and I found his website, and I went, and he had his blog about recording this album. And he actually, like, is just a songwriter, solo. And he went to, a, like, a studio in the UK that has just, like, a whole in-house team. Of like, there's a guy that'll like arrange your songs, and there's a bunch of in-house players. They like, can do like string arrangements. I can do whatever you you want. And there's just all the dudes are in there. So you go in, you show them your demos. They're like, okay, let's work through the song. Maybe do this, do that. Then they just play it with this house band, and then you go in and overdub whatever other instruments you want. Yeah, kind of an interesting thing. Kind of like the old school Muscle Shoals kind of vibe house studio band i was like i want to do that (laughs) i have done that for people just been like a producer yeah yeah that's awesome but i think you um, should yeah i'd be like this would be way fun (laughs) so this is a this is a pretty cool album you know uh got interesting tunes but i kind of dig what the studio did they got some cool like vibes on it hell yeah with that, I guess I will suggest a new one from Easy Star All Stars. Do you remember that band? I saw that one and I was just like, "What the devil?" They yeah. say Star twice in their name, but no, I don't. Not wasn't ringing a bell. I used <laughs> to play their dubbed out regified dark side of the moon at pizza plus when we used to work there oh shit okay so i think easy star is from what i understand perhaps a reggae le- label 
And so they get all these, like, the all-stars of Easy Star. Okay. And, like, get them together to make these cover albums, like, full album covers. So they did Dark Side of the Moon. Then after that, my personal favorite, they did uh, OK Computer from Radiohead and just called that Radio Dread. Uh. Um, let's see. They did... Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Dove's Heart Band. And they did Thrilla. I can't remember what the name was for that. Maybe I'll pull that up real quick. But this new one is Ziggy Stardust, but it's Ziggy Stardub. Hell yeah. And I would say it's my favorite of theirs in a hot minute. Um, The... Oh, yeah, Easy Star's Thrilla was all they did. And, I mean, that was the last one that came out of this series of albums, and that was 2012. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, So, I mean, I like all of them. All of them have something nice about it, but, uh, yeah. Dub Side of the Moon, 2003. I could see somebody making an argument that that's the best one still. But, yeah, my personal favorite's Radio Dread, and this new one's really nice. I was walking around earlier today. Usually, my walks lately, I have about two separate walks during the day. So, this was the earlier one when the sun's out, Easy Star, and then I did the Sound Cypher later. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, it's just reggae Ziggy Stardust. It's really good, and the only other thing I was going to mention was Macy Gray's on one song. Who I think you and I have kind of like low key enjoyed her over the last few years. Like, yeah. I can't remember where you stumbled on to her again. But it yeah, was she like. She popped up on something. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like, oh yeah, Macy Gray. She's got an interesting voice. She's real good. She's like the master of the vocal fry. Yeah. And uh, she's on Rock and Roll Suicide. Anyway, it was oh. a really good album. Hell yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, what else you got? The other one I had to check out was the new Rodrigo E. Gabriela. Tried to get to that today. Cool. I couldn't find the time. Yeah, it's worth getting to. It's some cool stuff. You know, kind of. I haven't listened to much of their like full albums, so maybe the other ones are all like this too, but you know. It's definitely they've added in some other stuff beyond just the two of them, but it's it's really sweet. Basically, that's like the the core of it is still that rocking flamenco rhythm guitar and fun stuff. Dude plays some electric guitar and some other stuff over it. Yeah, yeah. It seems that's like cool stuff. As they've continued to release stuff, he does more with effects pedals and yeah, they'll get other musicians on it. Yeah. Um, do you usually keep up with with each new release, or is this the first time you've listened to them in a while? Yeah, this is the first time I've released. I just like actually did one of their songs in another uh, band, and so that's when I started, you know, checking them out. And also, was it that one that? Yeah, exactly. That was on Breaking Bad, so I would imagine that would be their kind of their hit if I had to think of one. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, so I was going to ask you if you thought it was better than the more recent stuff. Like, I think similar to Easy Star All-Star, it's, it's all good, but I don't know. The more recent stuff had seemed a little more phoned in. It's like, yeah, you're good, and that, that was good. But, like, for some reason it doesn't have the same zhuzh. And, well, that one's, uh, that earlier stuff felt a little more, like, fiery, fast flamenco. And this one feels a little more chilled out to me. Yeah. So, a little more soundtracky, maybe. Hmm. Cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I'll have to give it a listen. And if I remember to bring it back up next week, um, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on how I think it compares to the other more recent releases from them. Um, let's see here. My last one of new stuff that came out is One Wayne G by Mac DeMarco. Did you have a chance to take a look at that at all? No, I didn't. Uh, you should go pull it up right now and take a look at the track listing. It, uh, (laughs) it's numbers. Yeah, and it's 199 songs. What the? And they're all, I think people that know Mac DeMarco know this about him that he always has these little tiny ditties, like kind of half figured out ideas that go on for however long, and some of them are just this nice little loop. And,. They're nice. They're like... I've actually been using Mac DeMarco songs that are more instrumental like these as like the background music for the movies I watched this week. They just have like a certain tone about them that I really like. And I think he talked about in interviews as far back as his last um, album, Here Comes the Cowboy which I know we've talked about at one point on the podcast, uh, that he was just kind of having uh-huh. a little bit of hard time with like writer's block and like dealing with being a bigger name to people and what that means and how it affects what you write. And uh, He was friends with uh, Mac Miller, and he passed away. I don't know how much that affected him, but he's kind of been going through this like, I don't know, here's some instrumentals, enjoy that kind of phase. And so this seems like a continuation of that. Maybe this is similar to the Raw Songs thing I did. It's just this cleansing, like, I got all this stuff sitting around, so I'm just going to put it out. But uh, I obviously have not listened to all of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. Um, You can scroll down and you can see stuff that has numbers, but then, like, a song name. Yeah, I saw a few... So I imagine those are, like, probably more realized ideas. Yeah. And somebody write in to me and let me know, because this could have easily been a mistake on my part. But when I first pulled it up the other day, I could have sworn some of these number tracks, like, had no sound to them. They were just, like, quiet. And I was like what the fuck? And then I scrolled down and then I'm pretty sure because then I would click on something like I like her or no doubt about it. 
and the sound would work. So I don't know if he did this like weird trolley like uh like most of it's quiet. The guy's like just kinda ha ha or if it was just my <laughs> computer being fucked up. But either way, clearly the number thing seems a little bit like ha ha trolley. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and I just it's kinda funny. And um anyway, I mean it's it's Mac DeMarco stuff, like when you find the stuff, but it does seem like kind of a little bit of a kind of cheeky dig at releasing stuff on streaming services, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it is. I wonder what that does to like algorithms. Yeah. <laughs> Having a hundred songs. No, exactly. So, I mean, Mac DeMarco has actually been a more recent newer artists that I've really like identify with and like the guy and part of it is how he he just seems like a genuine down to earth dude mixes songs in an interesting way kind of has like John Lennon Paul Simony elements but like coming from a dude who likes to drink cheap beer and wear trucker hats so it's just good stuff one way and G you should check it out hell yeah do you have a, any other recommendations that's all the the ones that I was pulled me in and kept me. <laughs> sure. I uh I'm hoping to rearrange my schedule a bit so I'm like working in the time to sit with that list of new releases and experiment more, try out some stuff. So Yeah. Maybe next week I'll um kinda go as far back as like two weeks and just kind of check but we will see um because at the end of the day i only got time to really listen to so much and new stuff came out that i was like oh i know who that is and that'll probably be good so one other thing before we maybe got into a little small discussion was uh i always mispronounce this guy's name and i Kind of forget where I posted it. It was like Mark Ribier or something like that. Do you know who that? He's like become popular online for doing like the loop pedal stuff. Huh. And like just ridiculous. Like I'm a motherfucking goose. I'm a goose it all over your face and blah 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 like just really silly loop pedal like but like going hard. But he's in his bathrobe and he's got like glasses on and it's like in his living room. Huh. So it's like very silly, obviously for the joke. Um so you being huh about it tells me you didn't watch the Coachella set I posted in the Discord. Where'd you post it? Uh, that was in the outworld <laughs> with our buddies in the Mad Season. Oh, yeah. No, I did not see that. <laughs> so, we should discuss it more next week. You should watch that. Because some of it's, like, hilarious, like, Andy Kaufman-level uh, taking the piss on the crowd. Not literally, yeah. but figuratively. And... um but then some of it also does, like, it's just the sadness of Coachella, and it almost, like, feels like, man, his live performance just, like, as we know it, kind of 
dead in terms of for the masses. It's just going to become this little niche thing for like yeah. people that like really want to see like human live performance because yeah, I don't know. You'll, you'll just have to see it and give me your thoughts because it's like I found it equally hilarious and good for him and that's funny to kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm going to go with the depressing, like the yodeling kid. Could yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> I can repost that in your message for you so you help remember to check it out. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, we'll discuss that next week then. Um, do you want to get into like the jazz stuff we were discussing or save that for another time? Oh yeah, we can jump in on that. So, usually, you know, kind of recommend some new releases, and then we would get into, um, you know, any stuff that you kind of stumbled back across, or it's older, and you're finally checking it out, or... So, yeah, like an old album, you're like, oh, yeah, this... I gotta recommend it, because it's really good, and I hadn't listened for a while, or... Just trying out old classics that you haven't heard, so... Where this all started was I was talking with you about New York jazz. And yeah. so what happened is when I edit down these podcast episodes, it takes forever on my computer. And I to keep my computer from going into sleep mode like I normally would like it to do, I usually pull up a YouTube video that's like one of those 10 hours of this and just let it play. And so my YouTube algorithm for the Jacob Wayne show recommends a lot of 10-hour loops or 10-hour playlists of stuff. And one that popped up was New York Jazz. I was like, oh. And it's worth mentioning that the first thing that popped into my head is exactly what the playlist was. So that is where my mind went. But it's kind of like that really mellow, slinky... Like, not complicated at all. Like, jazz loungy stuff that you would hear in, like, rom-coms. Especially one set in New York. It's like, it's mm-hmm. almost like the soundtrack to When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. And I was or like, I really like this. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, yeah, we'll call that Seattle jazz or cafe jazz. And... <laughs> but yeah, I, I hit you up and I was like, is this New York jazz a thing? Like, is this what this is? The style? Because... That's the kind of jazz that appeals to me. And then you recommended, well, there's this New York thing, because I think it was before you'd listened to the um, playlist itself. I think you were just reacting to the New York jazz thing, maybe. Uh-huh. And you're like, well, like there's this one that might be sort of something, the New York thing. And you recommended Chick Corea. Uh, what's the name of it? It's buried somewhere. Oh yeah, uh, now, now he sings, now he sobs. Yeah, now he sings, now he sobs. Right. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll... I hadn't listened to the playlist. I, I was just heard, you know, from the playlist I listened to, it was like a jazz, a piano trio, piano, drums, bass. So I was like, oh, I know this is a famous piano trio album. So you I listened... reacted I to piano. You reacted to the trio thing. Yeah, and I, I kind of figured that Chick would be playing fast, but I didn't realize just how fast and out there it would be. <laughs> yeah. So I 
I put that album on while I was shaving my head. And like, obviously, like right from the get go, I was like, yeah, that is not the jazz I was talking about. <laughs> and I mean, incredible player. Like I get why people are like, oh, Chick Corea, man. Like, oh, and it's like, yep. but they're just like going off. That bassist is doing some really cool shit. But yeah, it's like about three songs in or something. I was like, yeah, this is not my type of jazz. <laughs> and yeah. maybe a tiny bit of it is I like accidentally like nicked myself on the top of my head, which I usually don't. So I was like bleeding out of the top of my head, and I'm just like, it's just like, god damn it, like just kind of in the wrong headspace, I guess. But to be honest, it's just like, yeah. And then we got into that discussion a little bit about, um. I was like, yeah, I think I just like slow versions of some of that stuff that, like, people, I usually find, likes it to, like, go off, like, and go crazy, like jazz or bluegrass. I'm like, even, like, country to a little bit, they kind of want that big swing and honky-tonk country stuff, and I'm like, no, 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 just, like, maybe a guy and his guitar, nice and mellow. No, no, no. But, uh, so that's just a personal taste thing. For me, I know you like some busy bluegrass and busy jazz, I'm sure. Yeah, I like it all all over, like as long as you know it's yeah. tasty and groovy. I like it. So Yeah, so I guess yeah, like Chick Korea to me doesn't groove. Would you say it grooves? Oh that album doesn't groove. <laughs> that yeah. album is not like a jamming album. That's definitely a, a jazz listening album. <laughs> you know, you're not yeah. you're not dancing to that or anything. He has some other stuff that does, yeah. but that one does not. <laughs> right. Well, and so some of you might already know this from being previous listeners or just knowing who we are. But I, I that is like one of those differences between you and me, I think. Um, you have an extensive knowledge of like some jazz and jazz history more theory than me and that's kind of what was interesting and i just kind of want to touch on lightly was uh it's like yeah trying to figure out what that trio type of jazz is like and so i can't remember if we actually came to a conclusion but and it's like how you would differentiate it because um like so we started discussing it based off of the Chick Korea reaction and then I was like uh-huh. so I started looking at some stuff and I was like well what jazz do I like like that would maybe help narrow it down so I looked up the the peanuts guy I always forget the name It's uh, Garaldi Yeah and he that's a trio yeah. right Yeah he always was playing with a little trio And so while I'm looking up other names like how much uh, do you think the trio element plays into what I'm talking about? That's like that mellow, more mellowed out jazz, or like is that really that big of a factor? Whether it's going to be mellow or not? No, it's not. Like I, there's like some great albums that are guitar, uh, like Johnny Smith. Like his album has a lot of nice slower tunes that are you know it's the two guitars bass and drums i just feel like it's that it's like from what i was listening to that album all of them were piano based drums maybe a sax but that basic thing so it's just like medium to slow songs in with a with a 
heavy piano, lots of piano. <laughs> so you you should listen to some other albums like a guitar one or maybe something with vibraphones. Let's see if you like that as much. If it is the piano that pulls you in, it's definitely the sax piano combo. I think, but I, I, I'm definitely down to try those. I know I've heard some smoother jazz guitar that you've shown me before, so I know I do like that too. Um. But no, yeah, it was interesting because I was like, so then let's go through this real quick. Because I was like, all right, I like the the Peanuts trio. Uh, once again, sorry, I don't have the name memorized. But uh, And then like Dave Brubeck. And so I was like listening to a little bit of that. But I mean, like Dave Brubeck gets pretty busy every now and again. Like, oh, yeah. Was that... Yeah. But that, that to me kind of... Maybe groove isn't the word, but it like it has this anchoring thing to it, where so they are going off, but you can I don't know I could follow it a little more than the Chick Corea album. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And I was like that I do love that. Is it the album Take Five? I think it's called Time Out. Oh right, right, right. So they're all weird yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, that is that. No, that that album's great, um, but I was like, "Now this is still a little." Both of these are a little busier than what I'm talking about, but so. I guess that like the, the Peanuts Trio guy or Dave Brubeck, what kind of what type of jazz is that? I think that's just like a little more like kind of old, not like ancient swing, but just like a little. You know, just older swing. <laughs> older swing. Um, and would those artists yeah, like and, play with that a little bit and do other types of jazz, or were they pretty exclusively that? Well, it's all—it's all just like it's under falls under the umbrella of jazz, and then you can kind of zoom in. I feel like I feel like everybody. You can find a lot of recordings from all these different guys that are like that, like that are what you like, but they might, like the whole album might not be that. So you might have to do some jumping around. Some, they might go a little crazier on. Some they'll hold back on. Well, that was one thing you so, said was uh, it seems like artists do nice little mellow, quiet numbers like this. But yeah, that's like not the whole album. So like, is there any artists that you know of that distinctly like this whole album is going to be just that <laughs> or if they're just like nope we're going to do that but then we're going to immediately go into a busier number because we have to because we're jazz musicians <laughs> <laughs> well i know that john coltrane did an album of all ballads um but i knowing john coltrane it's still probably pretty busy yeah so but i guess is that maybe something about it like Slow ballad jazz, ballad jazz. Would that be a reasonable thing to search? Yeah. Which I think comes from, like, you did a sleepy time jazz or something, which yeah. I think was doing the same thing, just, like, slower tempos, instrumentals. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's, the it's, Trailer Park Boys theme. I don't actually know that theme very well. I never really watched that show that much. Ah, she, yeah, you should go listen to the theme sometime. It's a very nice little... It's that. It's just like a jazz piano. It's light drums and bass. Actually, that has some strings, too, but... It's da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Da-da. 
tasty little piano riff. <laughs> yeah, the Jazz for Sleep thing I sent you was just a Spotify put together playlist. Uh, they just lets these calm jazz tracks lull you to sleep, and they do a good job. And before yeah. I got into that one, I was listening to Sleepy Piano, which was a little different, oh. but yeah. I kind of like this jazz one a little more because it it has that thing and. I don't know. That is the part of jazz I like, and I could never quite put my finger on it. It reminds me of, like, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Like, just that little poetry jazz trio thing he does. Yeah. Yeah, like, I just love that type of stuff. The swing. Either, yeah. It's a nice, medium swing where you can actually feel the swing, because once you swing, swinging fast doesn't work, so it kind of just becomes straight. So I think you might just like it down real low so you can really hear the swing (laughs) (laughs) like yeah i don't need it to be complicated i just i'm like yeah 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 it's some johnny smith some count basie orchestra yep the orchestra is a lot more musicians but it's still that same because they swing their asses off (laughs) all right so I make you listen to a lot of albums that I don't think you're normally inclined towards. So, but I mean, still try to send you stuff that I think you'll enjoy. So you should start yeah. sending me some jazz albums, and then I'll we'll discuss them. So send me like two, and then we'll get to it either next week or the week after. Word. Uh, but one well, thing damn. that you did send that I got a little taste of was a. Uh, Judah Hip. Oh, yeah. And that was really good. And that was definitely just, I just went with the first track, Too Close for Comfort. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's closer to what I was talking about. I really like that. And I couldn't, can't remember if you had talked about her before on the podcast or not. But uh, you said that she had a pretty interesting history. So I figured. If you got the time, we could maybe do a quick rundown of that, or just what's worth checking out, like her story. Yeah. Well, it's just a real quick one. So uh, the album is Judah Hip, J-U-T-T-A-H-I-P-P, with mm-hmm. Zoot Sims, who's a, a famous session musician around this, this town. Uh, this time, sorry, not town. You don't oh, live in Logan. Utah, huh? <laughs> uh, If only. I was like, oh, hey, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it came out in 1956. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, basically, he was kind of like an unfortunate casualty of male-dominated things at the time sure. she made she got found overseas by a blue note producer um and he brought her over here and then like had her start playing and stuff and he was like yeah now blow me and she was sure. like no and then he's like you'll never work in this town again and so she kind of oh, just disappeared to make america great again huh? yeah exactly so she wow, she she released this album and then a few, maybe a few other ones, and then kind of just like disappeared from the scene. Got really mad. Miles Davis was an asshole to her. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So what's her instrument of choice? She's a pianist. Okay. Yeah. 
And so, and people like compared her to like Horace Silver, and you know, she had a like Charles Mingus really liked her. Uh, so I'm seeing like, on the Spotify bio that she was like criticized at the time for being too influenced by this Horace Silver guy. Yeah, a lot of people thought she was just copying him, but no, if you listen to it, she's totally got her own thing going on from him. Yeah. Yeah. And so she disappeared and just kind of stopped doing music. And so um, her album, they re-released it, and it blew up in Japan. And so mm -hmm. the, a new guy took over at Blue Note and went, was like, oh, through the records. And he's like, we owe this lady like $60,000 in royalties, and we can't find her. So he like hired like an investigator, or he went out looking for her, and he found her living somewhere, like in a tiny apartment in New York, just barely scraping by. And he like, hey, here's a I got this giant check for you. You're like, you're huge in Japan. <laughs> and she's like, what? And was Japan. stoked to get the money. She was wasn't hadn't played since. She like totally quit music. Wow. Which is just so sad that so many people were that rude to her that she just quit. She was like, fuck this music thing. Yeah. And had all that money just sitting there, never knew about it. Did finally get it, but she didn't live too much longer after she got all that money. So she didn't get really get a chance to do too much with it, I, as I understand. But Yeah, this bio... yeah, kind of a shitty story, but great album. This bio says she was at age 78 and she passed away in a Queens apartment. It's a Queens, New York. Yep. And what's interesting is it shows her followers and monthly listeners. And, like, off to the left, it shows the where the most listeners are from. And the yeah. number one's Tokyo. There you go. And then you got <laughs> London and Sao Paulo, then Paris, and Santiago, Man, Chile. See, people here don't even know. No. <laughs> and it's, you know, not to, it's like, well, in my experience, but... The that sticks out to me personally when she's criticized at the time for being too influenced by Horace Silver. Yeah, because you know I you know with me you know. people are <laughs> like, oh, let's Claypool. Yeah, do that slap the bass thing. thing. So you're doing Primus and you're like no, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and he gets so he, and then you know it's like you got to keep it in mind. And I have the luxury of living in 2023 where it's not as harsh as what she had to deal with and. I am just like a white dude, so yeah, I definitely yep. got my privileges to just kind of shrug stuff off, and like, yeah, that's the one thing that hits me, is I'm just like, usually, either A, somebody's like, oh, it's like Primus, then they're like, oh, they like Primus, and they're just trying to say they like you, Yeah. or the people are like, uh, it's a little, just, it's kind of a bit too Primus. much like Primus, then he's like, oh, you're just trying to give me shit. Yep. Like, you're just trying to find anything you can do. I know I've talked to you about stuff people have said to you where you know you blew people out of the water with what you just did. But then they're like, yeah, but, you know, like, the heart that's in it? Um, it's a little technical. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah, it is. Because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's just, it um... Yeah. Um... That is kind of the key to it, though, is it's like, I could totally see why her her experience, she was just like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that is really Lose sad. My number. And, yep. it, and you think of, like, how many musicians that, like, I will say right off the bat, good for them. If they really love making music, keep making it. 
but you know that there's plenty of musicians out there that are like, wow, they're still doing that, huh? Yeah. And they're still around, and then there's these amazing musicians that just, because they weren't playing the, the most popular genre at the time, or just didn't have the look, or... So yeah, they're good, but I can think of stuff that's like bigger than them that's yeah, pretty similar, so I don't know. It's just like yeah. it's just gotta I guess it is that kind of age old thing. It's just like if you if you love music, just love the music and You gotta do it for that reason. Stuff will come along. You do. But every now and again, yeah, like people will it it took a long time, but Tokyo found it. Yep. And it's like Later heaps. There is that other guy, uh, Rodrigo. I th- think it's just the one name. He uh-huh. was like that dude. I we talked about him, and he was like kind of up in Detroit during the Motown days. And he cut an album and just didn't really do anything. And oh, Rodriguez, I think yeah. And he released an album. And I learned about this from my coworker up in Seattle. She's from South Africa, so she was a little more aware of him than I was like, oh, I'd never heard of him. And I think the album is Coming From Reality or Cold Fact. Maybe it's both or I don't know. But that got down to Brazil and just blew the fuck up. Yeah, and then you could just mention Rodriguez to anybody in Brazil. They go, "Yeah, him." And it's it is kind of funny. Shocky and I talk about that a lot too. It's just like, man, American audiences are a little jaded and don't seem to really give a shit about music. But some of the bands we love, they go over to Europe and tour, and they're bouncing around like it's nineteen ninety seven. And it's just like, I don't know if it's an appreciation of the arts or culture or what, but we're like, man, who cares if we get big in America? Let's go tour Europe or Japan or Russia or whatever. Hopefully Russia in the future that's Putin-less. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Indeed. Um... But let's say your name's Tucker Carlson and you're really passionate about news or whatever. You should just quit. Uh, yeah. Like, you're just too good, man. Uh, just, yeah. just quit you're, now you're, while you're ahead. Uh, too well. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. It's uh, been good recording with you. Send me a jazz album. We'll discuss it next time. Sounds good. And have a good rest of your week. You as well. Later, everybody. Ta-ta! Bye-bye. Welcome back, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing lovely. Uh, did you hear that Tucker Carlson got fired today? I did. That's some lovely <laughs> news. <laughs> Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of still in the headspace of watching Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which we're uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a future episode. But, you know, the line, goodbye and thanks for all the fish, it's kind of like, goodbye and no thanks for all the low-key fascism? 
<laughs> I don't I don't know about the low key part. It was yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty out in the open. <laughs> I mean that bow tie, I mean that ain't low key either. But uh one other interesting thing is that I guess Don Lemon from CNN got let go too. Yeah. But then one of the cops it was on the same day. Yeah. yeah. One of the cops that shot Brianna Taylor just got a job as a deputy. Yeah. So people well. getting fired and then people that shouldn't get in, get hired or getting hired and I'm doing some job hunting myself and I'm just like, God damn. This <laughs> fucking job market's crazy. Well, maybe you should, you know, shoot some innocent people and you'll... Uh, yeah, it should. You'll like just get I a job. <laughs> well, or, you know, go work at Fox. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't even get through it. I, I did have one interesting thought before we get into the main subject of today, though, where it's like, so network television news like that's got to be dying out, right? Like, Oh, it's got to be. Boomers are getting older and checking out themselves. It's like, I know that I don't watch any of that stuff, regardless of, you know, the ranking of which is more factual to me, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I kind of check out AP News. And do a quick scan, and that's about it. And then occasionally yeah. I just watch a random YouTube video from a person that I know knows about the subject, if I care, but I kind of have checked out. And I feel Damn. like most people our generation do something somewhat similar to that. I don't know anybody our age that's like a Fox News junkie. No, but I mean, there might be some like... <laughs> rural folk our age or something i don't know maybe there is a market that i just don't know about well all right i'm not gonna call this person out because i definitely i do consider them like kind of a acquaintance type friend but obviously their political beliefs makes it real hard to maintain that but like it was a dude i used to work with and he would always come up to me and he's like well have you checked out like the epoch times Mm -hmm. and you're like yeah, man, that's some far right horseshit. <laughs> and that, you know, he would always like try to, he's like, well, no, I don't watch Fox News either, though. But I mean, I, have you given OAN a shot? Like, and then. <laughs> have you tried something worse than yeah. they are? <laughs> so, you know, he dives it, you know, and then anything else, it's like, oh, Reddit, it's all woke. It's just all liberal all over Reddit. And you're like, no, it isn't. <laughs> Like, there's a lot, but there's also plenty of right-wing douchebags. <laughs> so, anyway, it's like he's doing his own weird futuristic version of it. And, you know, uh, uh, anyway, the main point being is I was wondering if it's a good thing, ultimately, because it seems like the algorithm's starting to, like, take it over, so... We all have our own little personal echo chamber of the news we want and things we want to hear about. And obviously aspects of that are bad. Like we know that. But mm -hmm. I wondered if it's like better overall because if everybody gets kind of more of their own personalized what makes them feel goodness, like that perhaps it's a little less in mass believing in shit like Fox News did, or maybe it's worse. Maybe they all share their 
terrible algorithmic misinformation and it just gets worse. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, people are probably like more powerful together. So when everybody is getting the same misinformation, maybe that's uh, more dangerous than everybody getting their own special flavor of misinformation from their algorithm. I don't know. Because, yeah, there will always be people that are like, oh, you need to be seeing what's on my algorithm. And they'll get together and they'll mix (laughs) Jewish space lasers with uh, underground pizza parlor kid slavery trade, like whatever. It's that'll always happen. But and, you know, you could see Fox News try to tap into that market like the batshit insane market. Like, come on, you, you miss us. We're just we're batshit just like you. <laughs> and then they're like, no, nah, you're not batshit enough. You don't believe that Trump is actually the savior working with Kennedy's kid to save America and clear the swamp. The great what are they? The QAnons call it the the awakening or something. No, I I don't know. I don't know. Probably. E- either way, I don't it's... keep I don't keep up on their propaganda. <laughs> I I definitely do, and it's uh, it's kind of like that Channel Five HBO documentary. I think the yeah. point that that made was how kind of their big flash in the pan moment where it all kind of converged was January 6th and then as soon yeah. as that happened it like everybody's like that's all that's all that happened like some of us smeared shit on the walls a couple of us got pictures at Pelosi's desk oh, okay and then some of them are shocked that they get arrested for that and so it seems like it's kind of like popped the balloon a little bit and then yeah. they're kind of eating each other and it'll always come back as some other thing but yeah, I think in general, um, I think maybe it's better the way it's it's moving towards. It'll be harder to, I don't know, convince all the entire country that it's a good idea to go to war with Iraq because they have WMDs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. But, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that just to be fair and balanced, like my friends at Fox News... I think uh, definitely there's people that do, I I want to use my terminology correct because some of this definitely does get used in the wrong way, but it does seem like a little bit more on the left, there's this like call out culture of people that are pretty much on your side, Yeah. but if you said like some kind of offensive joke 10 years ago that yeah, it's they just try to cancel them and shit. It's the canceling thing, like, no, obviously gets turned into a tool to just say that the left wants to cancel everything, and it's like, no, like there's just some perverts that did terrible shit that should be canceled or whatever you want to call it, fired, thrown in jail. Yep. And then there's like there is some stuff where it's just like, yeah, that was a. Yeah, that was a blackface episode from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You don't think they were trying to make a point with that? Or no, it's just offensive. You should take it off. And you're like, all right. So there is a little bit of groupthink on the internet that I think maybe didn't exist before everybody's little algorithmic 
interest that we have nowadays. So I don't know. But yeah. to be clear, that I try trying to be fair and balanced. I mean, it's not balanced. <laughs> the shit I'm talking about with the left is nowhere near as bad as the shit on the right. So. No. Oh well, I don't know what I'm trying to get at. Just uh, fuck you, Tucker Carlson. I think that's what I'm trying trying to say. Yeah, and hopefully yep. we're moving <sighs> in the right direction. I hope it's a positive and not, you know, what's that creature you cut off one head and then like three grow back? Hydra. Yeah, yeah the Tucker Carlson Hydra. Yep. He comes back. It's still one head, but like three bow ties. You're like mother of God. <laughs> like clown buttons. <laughs> Every 27 years, Tucker comes back and feeds. Has to salt the meat with your fear. All right. You want to get into the main subject? Yeah, speaking of cults. Yeah, exactly. Mm. (laughs) Today we are doing a review of The Mandalorian Season 3. And kind of similar to how we talk about movies... Maybe right off the bat, maybe we'll change it by the end of this discussion. But I'll ask you first, did you like it? And what's your star rating out of five stars? Uh, The season as a whole. um, Did I enjoy watching it? Yes, I did. Um, Was it as good as previous seasons? No, I don't think so. Was it? as horrible as some I, I mean I've seen some pretty very negative takes on you know the season was a complete disaster I don't think that's accurate either um I don't know uh star rating uh it's pretty mid-range I don't know two and a half three mm. okay uh, yeah, I'll, I would say for me, I liked it, but, you know, it's Star Wars. I'm pretty forgiving. Yeah. And I think yeah, that that's probably too. the way to put it with this season is mm-hmm. it's definitely the worst Mandalorian season. Um, I will. It, it is better than the other two in some aspects, but we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> it's. Yeah. Yeah, so I enjoyed watching it. I did like it overall. But I think that there was things in it that are some of the dumbest stuff I've seen in Star Wars. Yeah. And some strange decisions. Yeah, I think that that is I I but you know, I'm always a little generous with the star rating. I'll mm-hmm. I'll give it about three and a half. Yeah. But it is very mid, and so I guess an aspect of what we'll get into about this is I I think you'd maybe agree that the season is very up and down, and the way that they plot everything and you get from point A to point B is really kind of weird and convoluted. Yep, meandering, Mm -hmm. yeah. So then, yeah, you have moments where you're like, wow, that was really cool. Or, oh, I haven't, like, it has some of the best, like, action Star Wars effects that you've come to expect from Star Wars in the Disney Plus TV show era that I've seen. 
Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. some of the dog fights in space and like the, yeah, just the action camera work of all that and the special effects. Like, yeah, all the starship fighting stuff and like the pirate ship and like that creature design. And mm-hmm. there was some really cool Star Warsy stuff in this that felt like new Star Warsy stuff. And it wasn't yeah. just like totally rehashed. And. Yeah, like the Praetorian Guards and stuff like that. Oh, sorry. Once again, this is a spoiler review. I don't do <laughs> non-spoilers, so... Sorry, y'all. There's Praetorian Guards in this. Uh, It's like... Yeah, that's some of the coolest stuff, but then it'll dip down and feel like a CW show or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like Jack Black and Lizzo, which I don't want to spend way too much time on that episode, but... I was like sitting there watching this is like, wow, this is really dumb, like and childish. And I don't like this. And people always say Star Wars is for, you know, the family. It's for kids. And it's like, yeah, but Star Wars, the original trilogy was for kids, but it also didn't treat kids like idiots. Yeah, it was like adulty ish types themes and ideas to like be serviceable to the palate of a kid. Space wizards and big bad evil emperors, you know, like they kind of simplify it that way, but it was some heavy stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Lizzo Jack Black thing, like him getting knighted for helping her cheat at croquet, like. Yeah, it's it's so stupid. But even that episode had redeeming qualities. Like there were some little nuggets in there. I liked the, uh, the droid bar. I think that was a cool scene. Sure. Um, uh, what else in that episode? I'm trying to think. Oh, okay. creature, de- yeah, little, little creature designs. Uh, I mean, at, at that like big long table thing, they had some cool creature designs. Uh, other than that, it's hard to <laughs> think of nuggets in that episode that I really like. But I but. think that that's kind of, that's kind of hitting at it. Like, uh, it's, it's the writing in this and a little bit of the acting, but I think it's the writing more than anything. Like the way that the Mandalorian delivered his lines almost felt like a video game, like for kids. It's just like, I have to go over here. Some robots are being bad. We don't like bad robots. Like (laughs) it's really like, okay. And it did feel a little bit like the the cartoons that some people love, but I just think they're a little too childish. Can't get yeah. into them. And it felt a little bit like that. And I don't know if that's because they're starting to tie into this Filoni, you know, uh, expanded Star Wars universe thing that's going to go to Ahsoka and this film he's doing. And... Yeah. There's a lot I like about Filoni, but this is the first season where I was like, oh no, is that like his thing? Is some of this childish shit? Like, if you give him more control over it, is it going to be less Andor and more this? Because I don't like this. Yeah. But it it is. It's the writing. It's like the concept of the planet where Jack Black and Lizzo run things is interesting. Um, when Christopher Lloyd shows up, and he's like a former separatist and he like remembers Count Dooku and 
he mm-hmm. kind of like brings up how he doesn't trust the new republic and he's like mm-hmm. still a separatist that's interesting but the way it's delivered it's just so like oh little teaser reference thing anyway he's gonna get electrocuted but moving on yep yeah and it's yeah that's yeah. also the one that had the weird mon calamari like love thing at the beginning yeah yeah that's the one <laughs> uh so it's, it's like what is this this is like they're trying to go for like silly uh event episode of the week and yeah. i don't know maybe that kind of like tv or show running is just feels so early 90s saturday morning to me yeah uh, yeah it it does definitely have like a more cartoon tone to it i mean but it wasn't always that way it's not like the Mm. entire season was super duper cartoony it was just there was enough of it that it's it is definitely notable that it it kind of feels a little i don't know i i think that that's the part of it though too is it's like i think there's a way that you can do more kid-friendly cartoony and it works really well and maybe that is stuff like um the clone wars or rebels mm-hmm. and it just has that consistent tone so you accept it and it's their trajectory of where the story's going and everything is clear so you accept it but it is it's like the jarring nature of this season it's like they're like cuz i mean there is that really creepy weird creature yeah, that, like yeah, on, episode two on Mandalore. or three. Yeah, yeah. It's like I had the one eyeball, but it's like mm-hmm. you can climb out of that mech suit or like whatever it is. And like that was like some of the creepiest. Like I'm trying to think of what it remind me of. Like almost like H.R. Geiger. Yeah, like alien esque kind of creepy design, or like that uh Mad God phil tippets yeah and i was like wow that's really great that's awesome and then it like then it goes cartoony but then it goes kind of you know a little more serious and then action driven and i just think uh there's uh there's this one dude i watch on youtube christian harloff who does this uh sith council show that goes over a lot of star wars news so shout out to him but uh he Talks about how Mandalorian's more like a soup of everything Star Wars. And then yeah. Andor is a little bit pointedly more adult and for a specific fan of an aspect of Star Wars. And I yeah. think that that's really accurate. So it's like it where the last Mandalorian seasons were, wow, that's a really good soup. This one's like, oh, too much salt. And then why'd you put mint in this? It's like the mint doesn't belong. <laughs> <laughs> like... So it's like, I'll eat it, but it's a, that's a funky soup. And like, don't even bother with the leftovers. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, yeah, there, there was other episodes where you and I were, and maybe that's the effect of you and me watching it together. Yeah. I think that when you watch things with certain people, you're just going to inherently react to it a different way. Like, yeah. when we watch movies with Neil, we tend to get more jokey with the movie, no matter what it is. Yeah. Like, that's why I just, I don't even think it's a good idea that we ever watch stuff like Schindler's List with Neil. 
It's just like, <laughs> well, we'll find a way to like start making fun of it, and that's not how to watch it. Like, and it's yeah. just like, so maybe there's that factor, but there was a lot of moments in the season where we were just like, what the fuck? Like, what? What is that? Like, it's just like weird, silly choices. Like, the like the Grogu action scene of him like doing that weird stop motiony looking run. Yeah, his little like, yeah, his his like traversal on the traversal on the like the beams above yeah. the. Uh, yeah, I'd, yeah. It's like you don't. Need it just that. looked silly. It's like you don't need that. You could totally do that same scene and just shoot it in creative ways. Yeah. It was like, why? Why? And like, but so it's odd choices like that, but yeah, just weird character things like the Carl Weathers directed episode. Mm-hmm. I, I forget some of the details now, but it had like a lot of silly shit in it. Like, we were giggling through a lot of that. Th- oh, like when they had the little prisoner birds, the little prisoner baby bird monsters. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But I mean, I don't know. To to kind of wrap that aspect of this review up is, I'll admit that that's always Star Wars. I don't think that there's one Star Wars that save Rogue One and Empire Strikes Back. And I, I guess Andor now too, but that doesn't have like some groany, weird, silly shit, yeah. silly like fart joke kid <laughs> thing. It's like, what? Like, all right. And it's like I watch the pretty cools a lot with my buddy DJ, and mm-hmm. if I'm hanging out with him, we throw that on any time and like rip it apart. But we also love it, and there's like a lot of stuff that's good about the story. Yeah. And like get into the lore of it all. So, I mean, maybe that's always inevitable with Star Wars and all that. But, um, I think uh, one thing I wanted to bring up about this season, hmm, kind of like brain farted on that one. Well, um, it'll see if it'll come back. I'll also bring up that the acting seemed a little inconsistent. Yeah, some was really great. Some of it was just like, and I I hate to say it because I don't want to do the little cultural cultural war kind of little thing that it is to fight over Star Wars, where it's like that's it, this Lizzo episode, I'm done. I'm never watching any Star Wars again. Yeah. You're like, no, you're you're a fucking liar. You like you've been bitching about Star Wars since The Force Awakens or the prequels. <laughs> it's like you're gonna watch it, or you're just a fucking troll. But then there is the other people that are like, Lizzo is so brave, and her dad was a Star Wars fan, so she gets to be in this, and she did an amazing job. And it's like, no, she didn't. No. (laughs) She she sucks at acting. (laughs) She's a wonderful singer. I hope she gets better, but she's a terrible actress. It's okay to say that. And it's just like, what? Why? Why did we put her in this? Just to have the cameo? And so there is a little bit of that. And it's just like, but it's like, fine. It, we were discussing, once again, this is spoiler thing, is that Jack Black Lizzo episode almost felt like, let's take a little fun, silly adventure break with some cameos because the next two episodes are 
where we put all the money. Heavier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know with that. I almost think like, just make shorter seasons. Yeah. Just make, yeah. this is five episodes. Be this more time. direct. Yeah. And just make it tight and good. It was the same issue with Obi-Wan. A lot of weird meandering silliness and like, what? And then it tightened up right at the end and was like, that was really cool. And then I was like, oh yeah, this was originally supposed to be a movie and then Disney fucked with it and turned it into a show. Yeah. So, um, anything else you want to say before we do a quick ranking? Um... No, not really. What what did you like most about this season? What do you think? Um probably just the the dog fights, the space fights with the ships. Mm-hmm. Uh the camera work of them like yeah, dropping out of the ships like with the jetpacks, like how well they shot that, how good it looked. Um yeah. so overall special effects, but not just special effects, it's like creature design. Um, I think another thing I liked most about it is despite it's bad moments with it, like the Christopher Lloyd, uh, separatist reference, like Mm -hmm. that was a little throwaway, but there was a lot of moments in the season where it really started to blend everything like Mandalorian culture and the prequel era, the original trilogy to this. And then, oh yeah, that, like, I'm surprised we haven't even talked about that yet. Um, It looks like they're moving towards trying to redeem the sequels in a way. Yeah. Like, make the whole bringing the Emperor back make sense. And it's like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. there's all this stuff that, and I remember them hinting at stuff like that even before, like, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So I hope that they did actually have a little more plans laid down. It just got translated goofy in the sequels because they gave too much story power to the directors. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. So it's tying everything together, creature design. Um, I do feel like we got to see more of the universe, whereas the first Disney Plus type shows felt like hanging out on desert planets all the time. Yeah. A lot of Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, hmm. I'll, I'll see if anything comes up before we're done recording, but I, I do think it is those okay. things. How about you? I, I don't know. Uh, the, they clearly spent more money on this one and that's probably why the effects were much better. Um, you know, the dog fights and stuff were good. I, I definitely agree there. I actually, this is not a very uh, popular opinion, but I really liked the Dr. Pershing episode. Like, I thought it was like a good self-contained little story. I think that was, I don't know, what I've seen surprised said, me. What I've seen said about that one is it's as simple as it should have maybe cut back and forth. Between yeah. the two plots yeah. in that episode, because it Instead might have of just dedicating... helped. Yeah, yeah, it just might have helped with the uh, the tension of what's going on with that character, and like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do think audiences are more sophisticated these days and look out for certain things, but sometimes you do need to like 
hey, remember this is the protagonist though, and this all connects, so it's okay to go off and follow this guy. Like, yeah, I don't know. That was as simple as like maybe a slight editing adjustment, but I did actually find that storyline and thread interesting. Yeah, I think it set up the like the New Republic in a you know in a more realistic light. Like it it made the the New Republic feel more real, mm-hmm. you know. And you know be, the bureaucracy and everything of all of that and you know the different allegiances people have after a war and I I just thought it was a lot more interesting of a storyline of than just like, oh, and the Mandalorians are mad at each other because some of them are really culty and some are just a little culty. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, I suppose that is something I really like. That's an offshoot of what I was saying about it. Um, weaving stuff together. But yeah. uh, I did really appreciate the work they put into New Republic stuff. Yeah. So... Yep. Because that was, like, even when I was, like, pretty hyped after The Force Awakens, one quick criticism I had was, like, oh, so they just have the New Republic, and then they, like, blow up the whole system where the capital is? Like, so now there's just no New Republic? Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. I was, like, very, like, well, what even was all that? Like, and, you know, some people complained about too much politics and the prequels and stuff, but I always love Star Wars politics. And yeah, that's why I love Andor. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like with this, it was, I did find myself thinking about it as I do like my daily walk or whatever. Like I just kind of be daydreaming and I'll be like, no, that is interesting because it's almost like, you know, defeating this great big empire. But then it's a little bit of end of World War Two or World War One. It's like yeah. trying to get everybody on the same page about how we're gonna like run things now, and yeah, it would be very bureaucratic and still like corrupt for like where the power players moved in to, you know, like dictate where things are gonna go in the future. It's like mm-hmm. actually, in a way, it's it almost reminds me of like. I always feel like I say this wrong, but it's like the Treaty of Versailles, Versailles mm-hmm. where it's like end of World War One. It's like, okay, great, this great big war is over. And then the way that they handle the treaty and everything, they just deplete Germany so much that it puts them on track to become fucking Nazis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's like, I remember that was in an interview when they first did Force Awakens. They were describing them like, well, what is this new order? And they described them as almost like an even more fanatical version of the Empire and like that they were almost like a terrorist cell. Yeah. But it was like, it is interesting because technically that's what all the Nazis were before they took over Germany. Mm-hmm. So I do like that. So it's just like showing it that it's like nah super happy democracy yay new republic it all works perfect i think it is really interesting to play with that it's just like they're not setting certain things up properly to keep an eye on imperial remnants and people that Mm -hmm. maybe just want to be independent like the mandalorians and it's kind of cool 
Yeah. Um, I feel like we've talked a fair amount about stuff we didn't like. Yeah. But one only other thing I'll mention, and this is just personal taste. It's not an actual judgment of the show. Because I, I do think it is might have something to do with how I feel about the Mandalorian as a whole is I don't like how culty the Mandalorians are. And yeah. Din Jaren is, is he's just, he comes off like Mormon boy. Yeah. It's just like, I uh, can't take off my helmet. That would be bad. That's not the way this is the way. Yeah. And that's not the way and you're just like, uh, I, I was actually thinking about it. What would have saved it for me? is if in the last scene, you know, when he's like just chilling on his little plot of land on Navarro or wherever, mm-hmm. um, he just, you know, is just chilling there and takes off his helmet. Like just yeah. one shot. You don't see the entire season. You don't see him without his helmet. You don't see Pedro Pascal's face ever this season. Yeah. And it would have like just punctuated it with like, you know, Things are going to be fine with the Mandalorians and you don't have to be super culty about everything, which is kind of a little bit of a theme in the series of, of this season, at least of, you know, well, it is, it's, we, well, we, we don't, we don't, we can get along even if we don't like totally agree on the super yeah. culty aspects. Well, I guess that is where I feel they jumbled it up on the story because the first two seasons are about him loosening up and yeah, no, I can take this helmet off to smile at Grogu and oh, I don't have to hate robots and it yeah. seemed like his character went backwards a lot into just like, well, yeah. now that I did this, let's get real culty again and make sure yeah. Grogu's like culty erased... too. It's like, ew. Yeah, they erased the character development basically but they it would be fine if they did that if at the end of this season they were like okay and now he's gonna he's actually loosening back up again because he had all this guilt about mandalore and whether to bring mandalore back but we made that joke consistently where when um man i'd drawn a blank on her name uh the leader and then the, All right. the blacksmith lady, I forget her name. Too. Well, her and the other one, Bo-Katan. There we go, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, yeah. And yeah, what is her? Look that up for me, please. The I don't know. The leader of the children of the watch. Uh, yeah. The um, the blacksmith. Yeah. But yeah, when they agree and do like she's the one who walks both paths. This is the way. And you're like, we just kept joking about like it just cut into Din Jaren and him just being like, uh, so like, do, do I get to walk both past them? Like, what the fuck's this? <laughs> like, why does she get to have her helmet off? And it's just like, yeah, I, so I think they were trying to say like, however you want to be a Mandalorian, however you want to worship, it's cool. But they just went clunky about it because they made Din Jaren act like he hadn't been questioning these things. Yeah. And just totally cool with like, oh no, yeah, she walks both ways, but I have to feel all guilty and sinful for having taken my helmet off. Yeah, I don't know. 
But maybe that is like how convoluted societies are with different culty beliefs. It's like, mm. I gotta respect that you think you're purified when you get baptized at eight. Okay. I'm not finding a name for her other than the armorer. So I think I guess that is right. it, actually, the armorer. <laughs> That's just how they refer to her. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, the armorer. But, um, no, yeah. It was, it seems like, okay, so this is speculation. Um, seems like there was a little bit of news coming out about Disney and Pedro Pascal, like, having some issues. You know, I'm not going to say how big or serious any of it was, because we don't really know, honestly. But it is interesting that he didn't show his face at all this season. He didn't show up at Star Wars Celebration to promote the season. Yeah. A lot more attention put on Bo-Katan, the actress who plays Mm -hmm. her. I'm trying to... Is it Katie Sackhoff? I think Uh, so. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the the emphasis was put on her. And then in one of the interviews post-Star Wars Celebration, they were like, well, the Mandalorian, it, it could be speaking about multiple Mandalorian. It's, it's not just about one Mandalorian. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. It could be, as, I'm sure it's as simple as maybe money. Like, yeah. I know one thing came out that, they took off his helmet to show it and I think maybe even season one just so he could get paid as an actor rather than a voice actor, like some weird thing like that. Yeah. It's like, hmm, I wonder if it's stuff like that or whatever. But I mean, obviously Pedro Pascal's such a darling to everybody right now. He's daddy Pascal. Oh, yeah. he's, he's a hot item. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, even if it is just my voice, I mean, you, you guys want my voice. Like, I could see that, but I don't know. I, so going forward, I definitely think they should like put the Mandalorian on the shelf for a while. Yeah. And he could pop up in other shows, but like, I don't need another Mandalorian season anytime soon. I'm not, and I, I could be okay with it being done. Like that's the end of this series. But characters from it show up in other things. But yeah, if they I, if they come back to it, maybe it would be nice to uh, go back a little bit to the Adventure of the Week thing. Yeah. Now that he's a little more of... And then it's just him and Grogu's relationship growing through that. Mm-hmm. Because um, yeah, it's like he says at the end he's going to go do all this... Um, investigations for the new republic yeah i actually wonder since they had announced that one show is like rangers of the new republic or something that was gonna star the wrestling lady uh gina carano yeah. but then mm-hmm. she went all queuing on ah interesting how that all ties back into our earlier discussion <laughs> and so they're like well no we we can respect your beliefs but not just straight up kind of borderline racist fucked up lies so no you're fired and so they have stopped developing that show. So I wonder if they're kind of like, oh, okay, maybe we just sort of turn Mando into the Rangers that are on the uh, outer rim or unknown space, unknown regions. That's right. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do from here on out. Well, it's, it's left pretty open. Yeah. Honestly, like it. Yeah. I they, think they could take it a lot of different ways. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll we'll do that to wrap up. Let's do a quick ranking. Well, we could do a deeper ranking sometime in the future, but we're just going to do a really quick one. Uh, Disney Plus Star Wars shows. Uh, what's Jeez. your okay? What's your first? I have, I have to look up a list. I don't know. I'm off the top of my head here. Let's just do it straight from your head. Don't even look it up. What's your number one so far? It's like whatever's in your heart. Disney Plus Star Wars show and yeah. or number Andor. one by far. Easy. What's number Easy. two? Um, Mandalorian, probably. I don't know. And let's even break it up into seasons. I'm going to say... Yeah, Mandalorian season... Some people, A lot of people like season one more than two, but I like season two more. Yeah, I do like season one more, actually. <laughs> but You do like one more? Yeah, okay. just a bit, but not not a lot. It's not like a, a stark difference for me. Would you say that you go Andor, season one Mando, season two Mando? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's so we probably would, right. We'd switch the Mandos. Here's where it gets interesting. What is it? Season three, Mandalorian, still at number four. Mm. Probably. It's been so long since I've seen Boba Fett that. Yeah, I I, yeah. I should be clear. Also, um, I'm sort of like. It's not that I'm not counting it, but I guess that shows my taste and what I pay attention to, like. I tried the Bad Batch for like an episode. I'm like, this is this isn't my kind of thing. Yeah, and I I watched all of Star Wars Visions, like the anime. Yeah, and some of that was really cool, but also some of it was really stupid, and it just all felt like more of a those like old Star Wars fan fan films they used to make back in the day. Yeah, like just a fun little thing, and I like seeing anime interpretations of other things i'm into like star wars or batman yeah um but man yeah i think book of boba fett is still the worst it probably is obi-wan i mean would have been the worst there were good points in boba fett like there were a few good episodes and they were the ones with mandalorian in it but (laughs) (laughs) I actually like the first couple episodes of Boba Fett. Yeah. When he's yeah. like with there were the, some the same people. That were okay. Yeah. Lady. I think that one ended the just the the entire series of Boba Fett ended so badly that it's hard to remember that like oh it, I mean some of it was okay. <laughs> oh, I thought Cad Bane was kind of cool, but then they yeah. did him dirty at the end. I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. What's that guy? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was very jarring the way they did Mandalorian 2.5 in it. Mm-hmm. I did like Mandalorian 2.5. That might have been some of my favorite Mandalorian stuff, oddly enough. Yeah. But, uh, huh. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's... Alright, so yeah. Book of Boba Fett's the worst for me. That being said, some of the worst moments in Disney Star Wars, I think, have happened in Mando Season 3 and Obi-Wan. Yeah. But then Obi-Wan gets saved a lot by how it wraps up. Yeah. And... I just, uh, it is interesting, because it's like, I really, I think a lot of people that are fans of Star Wars want them to have clarity in what the story is and what direction they're headed, similar to an MCU, at least the early years of MCU, because it seems like they're struggling these days. But, uh, yeah. It's just, we want that, because it's like when Andor happened, it was like, wow, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, are they, like, correcting and, like, getting better at this? And then, mm-hmm. then season three of Mandalorian's a little wonky, and you're like, okay. Well, they were probably in production around the same time, so maybe they actually did learn from Andor, and we won't see the re- results of that for a while. <laughs> sure. Well, and also... Yeah, I guess that's the last I'll say on it, is the Lizzo-Jack Black episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And she directed mm-hmm. some of the best episodes from season one and two. So when we were already like, some of these episodes are a little wonky. Um, I remember thinking like, oh, well, this one coming up, it's a Bryce Dallas Howard, Howard episode. So it'll be, it'll be really good. And then it was like, well, that was mm-hmm. really lame. <laughs> so it's yep. interesting like with Andor I was like man can they just let Tony Gilroy and Dave Filoni run Star Wars cause mm. I loved what Tony Gilroy did with Andor and I, he, he brings the adult and the writing and character development and I think Filoni's good at the big picture stuff like the overarching story and cultures and Mm-hmm. creature design all that stuff but i don't know it's like it's it takes thousands of people <laughs> yep to do bad work or even really good work and i don't yeah i don't know if you could lay it all at the feet of kathleen kennedy or bryce dallas howard or dave filoni or yeah i mean people like to have that you know one person to blame and that's almost never the case i mean everybody contributes some and some more than others but can't blame the lay the blame of a bad show entirely on one person ever i don't think but yeah that reminds me of a patrice o'neill joke he was on that show tough crowd with colin quinn back in the day Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how african-americans in america it would be nice if they had just one white guy that was just the man they could just put all their anger into him kind of like a hitler (laughs) because it's like all the stuff from nazism we can you can put it all on hitler just be like that fuck hitler i hate that guy and it's like yeah he gets to like absorb all the anger from all that stuff and (laughs) It's like he's like it's just too bad like a guy with like a top hat and a monocle and it's like that fucking guy like it's like I don't hate all of you but we don't really got that so I'm like this fucking white people is fucking white shit and it's like yeah we need a dude 
it'll it'll make it make more sense. It was always really funny to me. I think it's very similar. Everybody's like shitting on yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, but it's like, nah, it's a lot of it's a lot of hands on on what Disney Star Wars is right now. Yeah, and making it what it is for good and for bad. Yep. So all right. Did this discussion yeah. change your ranking at all? Still like it? Still about three stars? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm still just a little, I don't know, conflicted about it. I, I don't think it would be accurate to say, you know, it's really bad or really good. It, it definitely is like a, a two and a half, three star, middle of the road season if they're truly like laying the groundwork well for making the sequels make more sense and tie into everything Mm -hmm. and this is like where truly where they kind of get started with it i'd be willing to bump it up to four stars and forgive a lot yeah but they have to really grow from those moments and those things and things that are set up in the season to kind of forgive some of the wonkier things. Yeah. But yeah, so for now it's three and a half, but I still love star Wars. This is all coming from love. Uh, I'm the next thing coming up is Ahsoka. I believe I I think they're going to release visions again, like another one of those cartoons first. Oh, yeah. I don't watch those anyway. Yeah, so. I don't watch them. So, <laughs> Ahsoka's next, and that's in August, I believe. Oh, nice. And I'm really excited for that. But we'll talk about that in the future. And I think for now, we're going to call it good. That was a good, nice, long review of The Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll talk to you next time. Dan, you have a good one. Yep, you too. Ta-ta! Thank you for listening to The Jacob Wayne Show. If you would like to contact us, please write us at fakoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.